Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Jeanette Difkins from Onyx Legal. What I wanted to talk to you to, about today is property, using property. So uh, not nothing to do with investment, um, nothing to do with buying and selling. What I'm talking about is leasing premises or having a license to premises. And I just wanted to talk through briefly the difference between the two uh, and what kind of obligations you're facing when you're looking at that. Because a lot of people, when they grow their businesses, they start um, running their own business by themselves and then they, maybe they grow a bit and they want to get some premises. Now, I know a lot of people are still working from home after COVID, but there are also a lot of people wanting to step out and getting into commercial premises. So there's a few things you need to look at. Um, one of the first things is a license to use premises means you have non-exclusive access. And the most commonly found um, area where licenses are implemented is in allied health and health services. So what happens is, a, somebody will own a building and they'll try and get a bunch of different health services into that building and people will use the rooms for a period of time. Because they're only using a room and maybe some admin services, that's a license to use those premises. Often they might have a cupboard in those premises, but when they're not there, someone else is using the same office space. Uh, so that's, that's a license to use premises. It is important under Australian law, so law is different all around the world, but um, law based on Commonwealth law, so law based on English law coming from England, um, you need agreements regarding property to be in writing. Otherwise, they're not valid agreements or not enforceable agreements. So if you, are, if you know any health practitioners who are wanting to go into a shared space and want permission to use that space and have some form of agreement that governs how they're permitted to use that space, then that is a license agreement. The other side of the coin is a lease. And a lease is where you have exclusive use of premises. So for example, we've got a few clients at the moment who are either buying or selling trade businesses, you know, plumbers and electricians and that kind of thing. The people who own the businesses have industrial sheds out of which they operate. So those industrial sheds are where they, you know, tuck up their utes at night, where they keep all of their um, extra bits and pieces. There is a lease on those premises from whoever owns them. And this happens even when you own the premises yourself. So we've got one that came in today, which is very entertaining because our client has owned the building, has owned four industrial units on one block. He's owned them for over 20 years. And for the entire time he's owned them, he's had handshake agreements. So there is nothing in writing. And what is happening now is he's looking to retire. So he's wanting to sell his business and he's also wanting to sell the premises. Now, the accountant rings me and says, we can demonstrate income, but we can't, we've got nothing in writing to show that there's a legitimate lease over these premises, despite the fact that they've been fully occupied for 22 years and the money's been coming in. So that's something that we're putting together for that client today is some written leases that cover so our client owns the premises. He uses two of the units. 
another two of the units are rented out. We're putting together a lease that can be used um, or the form of a lease that can be used across each of the units. And we're going to put that in place uh, before the whole lot sold just to demonstrate that there are legitimate things in place and it is reflective of the financial transactions that have been happening for years but nothing in writing because it was all done on a handshake 22 years ago. Um, if you have something on a handshake, so say you're the tenant if you've got a handshake deal, you've got nothing enforceable, which means the landlord can lock you out, they can boot you out, they can do all sorts of things, and there's not a lot you can do about it. So ideally, you have something in writing, and preferably before you go into premises. So we've got another client at the moment who wants to invest $4 million in developing some buildings on property that they're going to lease. So property they won't own but they're going to lease it for over 20 years and they're going to put the the proper, the buildings on it. Now, that's been very interesting because they're a not-for-profit organisation and despite the fact that they do actually have the funds to cover the cost of legal services, they don't want to spend them, don't want to spend them. So they're trying to do it half-assed by themselves. It's very frustrating. It's very hard to deal with if they just let us sorted out for them it'd all be done and dusted but anyway um, the challenge we have in that situation is because they're going to do the development the value of the property is going to change as soon as the buildings are constructed on it and the lease that's going into place needs to reflect that our client will only be paying rent on the unimproved value of the property because over a 20-year lease all of the people are going to change the memory is going to fade and at some point in that process, if the documents are not very clear that the rent is only for the unimproved value, our client is going to end up paying rent on the property that it builds. So, you know, there's little bits and pieces like this that people have to be careful with. One of our team members is a uh, mediator and regularly does mediations between landlords and tenants. It is amazing some of the stuff that she sees. So she has given us examples where people have obtained discounted legal advice. And we get this problem all the time. Oh, I can get someone to do that for me cheaper elsewhere. That's fine. We actually read the leases. And when we read them, we advise relevant to the business of our client, not just general broad terms and the kinds of things that are coming up um, before Andrea, who's our team member who mediates, are things where league lawyers have actually been involved but missed things because they're doing dis discounted services. Um, so be aware when you go into any sort of agreement around property, it needs to be in writing, one. Two, you actually need to read it. I know these documents are pages and pages long and some of the language might be complicated and you don't want to, but you need to read it and you need to ask questions to protect your own interests. Um, we do full advices, so generally our clients come back to us and go, oh, didn't realise that, didn't know that. Uh, we do have some clients, like these people building the $4 million property, um, who tell us they haven't actually read the documents, which is terrifying um, <laughs> you need to protect your interests you need to know what you're getting into if you sign something it is binding on you whether or not you've read it 
whether or not you understand it. This is the risk of people with uh, English as a second language who don't have interpreters involved. You know, you can be signing up to all sorts of things that you don't understand. And commercial leasing, so business leasing, is very different from residential leasing. In commercial leasing, generally speaking, the tenant is responsible for all of the costs associated with the property except capital investment. So a lot of areas where there are disputes are when air conditioners go bung. So if the air conditioner breaks or something happens to it, there's always an argument around which part of it is broken because if it's the bit on the roof, that's capital and that's the landlord's responsibility. If it's the bit inside the premises, that's the tenant's responsibility. So it's understanding all those little bits and pieces associated with any commercial property you go into and knowing that management fees on the property are going to be your responsibility. If a lease mentions outgoings, you have to be very clear on understanding what outgoings are. Outgoings are not your electricity and water. Outgoings are the things like management fees, cleaning fees for the car park, for goodness sake, um, maintenance on the building and the car park, all of those sorts of things. You've got to have an understanding of what kind of money you're actually going to be paying for a lease. There are also leases. We've got a number of retail clients who go into shopping centres. There are leases that have turnover rent. So that is a base pardon me, a base rent. And then if you're successful and your business makes over whatever the agreed sum is per year, then you pay a percentage of that agreed sum to the landlord as well. And a lot of people do not realise that retail leases often have turnover rent involved in them. So when we're looking at leases for our clients, what we do is work examples. So if your business makes this much money, this is how much extra rent you'll be paying on that. Now, when you tell that to a client, they often go back and argue with the landlord's representative around what is fair and what is not fair, because it can make the difference in your business being successful or not. So turnover rent is a big deal. Um, costs of outgoing are a big deal. Responsibility for maintenance and outgoings and all of that sort of thing is a big deal. Make sure if you're going into any sort of agreement around property that you know what you're doing and that you're comfortable before moving forward and that you've actually read the documents. Please don't sign anything you haven't read. And if you're taking an assignment of a lease, the really important thing there, and we've had this issue with um, like cafes and stuff like that, know what the responsibilities are because some leases say that you have to pull back the premises to bare walls. So any fit out in the premises is your responsibility to pull out at the end of the lease and make good. That's very expensive. You know, we had a client who thought they were going to do that the uh, the pullout was no big deal. When it was quoted, it was $80,000. Can you imagine coming to the end of a business lease and you've suddenly got to fork out $80,000? Where's that money coming from? You know, um, the, it's it's an interesting area. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. They just want to sign and move in because they're all excited about doing their business. 
but it's very important to ensure that you know what you're getting into and how to protect your interests before you sign anything. Uh, so that's my little heads up for today. Leases and licenses, understand the difference and understand your responsibilities. Call that a little heads up. I think that's going to be a very expensive place to be if you don't get it right. So thank you very much for that. So now time for questions. Just put your virtual hand up first and uh, Stuart. Um, all I can say is, oh my goodness, I had a client who had a contract drawn up, read the contract when it was given to him. Um, then it was resubmitted back to him before he was actually going to be referred on, on to you, Jeanette. Uh, and he did his due diligence and read it. And from, from, from the agreed moment when he saw the draft to literally an hour later, they'd upped all of the percentages in their favor by a percentage. Ooh, it was like, cheeky. I just went, I just went, what? And he just said, guess what happened? I pushed back and they came back and put them up again. So he said, we're no longer renting that, uh, look, looking to lease that property. And I said, well, there you go. That would have been a bit, but I'll share this with Jeanette at some point And here we are. So yes, everybody read your things. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, thanks very much for that. Uh, Jason, 